welcome once more. I'm, I'm cracking myself up because I'm having flashbacks like Barry White on the radio. You know, so this is awesome. I wish I could sound like this all the time. But it's not worth it, trust me. All right, so we are starting a brand new sermon series. I'm pretty excited about this one. It's called Time, Talent, and Treasure, uh, funny enough. And this is where we're going. We always talk about time, talent, and treasure. So time is pretty self-explanatory. We all have the same amount of time. That's the great equalizer. Nobody has more time than anybody else. It's just what we do with that time. The talent, uh, that's where we differ. Everybody has different talents. Everybody has different amounts of talents. So we're not the same there. And thank God that we're not, because wouldn't the world be boring if we were all identically the same? Wouldn't it be terrible just to tell you, everybody's a carbon copy of you, right, uh, of me? That, that, that would be terrible, right? And then finally, uh, we, we also talk about treasure, which is actual money. And if you don't think money is a spiritual thing, then look at how many times Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. So where we're going today, we're going to uh, find out what this word steward means. Next time, we're going to talk about treasure island, and that's where you keep all the treasure to yourself, right? That's the island. And then uh, life is different. Bet you haven't heard that before at WordSurf. We're going to talk about how life can be different, and not just different, but actually fulfilling and meaningful as we talk about this idea of stewardship. So this morning, I'm going to be primarily talking about time and talent. Now, let me ask you, what has been your experience when the church or a pastor or somebody on staff says, hey, we would love for you to volunteer? Uh, let me just have a quick, quick poll. This is, I think that is so awesome. I get excited because God is doing things or ain't got time for that or somewhere in between. Where are you at in this, this volunteer thing? Yeah, everybody looks like windshield wipers, right? It depends, on, <laughs> it depends on what's going on in our lives, right? If I'm super busy, if I'm stressed at work, or if I got you know, problems in the family, I don't have time for this. I, why is the church asking me to do more? Right? You ever feel like that? I, I have a couple of uh, examples, actually, from WordSurf. Uh, you might recognize these two. So one is you just kind of fade into the back and hope nobody notices you, kind of just absorb yourself into the shrubbery and don't make a noise. And for whatever, for Pete's sake, do not make eye contact with the pastor. That's dead. You're dead, right? And, and then the other one is like, uh, yeah, I volunteered, all right. <laughs> Makes me feel really good. Got way happier. There was another one I was going to put up there, but it, uh, I thought it was a little too close to home and actually told the truth because it was a, a, a bench sitting by a window. And the caption was, they told me I only had to do this for one year, and it was a skeleton. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hopefully none of that is true at WordServe. We're going to try to make sure that that doesn't happen as we get more people involved. And that is our goal, uh, to get enough people involved where we don't have to have the same person doing the same thing until, I don't know, Jesus returns, right? So uh, we, we, I want to lay your concerns to rest because here's something that you might not know about WordServe Church. This is an awesome picture, by the way, Morris, wherever you are. There you are. In the same spot. That's amazing. Okay, anyway, uh, so at WordServe Church, uh, this is a church I want to be known. We don't give to God. Now, you didn't know that about WordServe Church, did you? This is our new motto, WordServe Church, where we don't give to God. Pretty fired up about that. I think that'll fit on a T-shirt, maybe bumper stickers, back window sticker, something like that. Yeah, so we don't give to God. And here's why we don't give to God, WordServe, because we are stewards. So what is a steward is a great question to ask at this point. And now you're totally confused because you're thinking, we don't give to God? N said no church ever, said no pastor ever, right? And, and we're stewards, don't stewards give? Yes and no. That's what we need to, to experiment with this morning. So we're gonna start with this question. What is a steward? 
And it's always good to start in the beginning when, when you're starting to tell a story. So we're starting right in Genesis this morning, and it's Genesis chapter 2. Now, all of creation has happened. Man has been formed. Woman has been formed. And then this is what God does with it. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And, and guys, this is why women are around. They're smarter. They live longer. And if they weren't around, we would live a lot less long. Am I right? Okay. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. So right off the get-go, in the beginning of the story, right after creation has happened, what is the first thing that God does with humans? Let me read it again. Took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And here's my favorite question. To what end? To work it and take care of it. We are put here to work and take care of God's kingdom. That's basically what a steward is. A steward owns nothing but manages everything. Let me say that one more time. Let that sink in. A steward owns nothing but manages everything. And they don't manage it according to their own will. They manage it on behalf of the one who has gifted it to them or entrusted it to them. In this case, God has made this beautiful garden. It's called Eden. He entrusted it to man and woman to be there to take care of it. That's what stewardship is. We represent the kingdom. We represent the king. We manage the king's world and stuff. That's what a steward does. So I know you're getting really confused now. It's like, okay, we still don't give to God? And the answer is no, we don't give to God. Here's the catch. We give back to God. WordServe Church is a church that doesn't give to God. WordServe Church is a church that gives back to God. You see, it's a subtle one-word difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. When God asks me to give, it's like, oh man, he wants my stuff. That's my stuff. I worked hard for that. How dare he ask for my money? You know how hard I worked for that? I don't have enough time in my week for that. Why would he ask for my time? And talents? Boa. I have all this, I'm so burned out at work or in family or in the clubs or in whatever it is that I do on, on my week, day to day. Why would God ask for that? Well, this is where we pause and we say, well, who made all that possible to begin with? Who gave you those gifts and talents? Who makes it possible for us to earn money? Who makes it possible for us to be sitting in here in air that is perfectly balanced in bodies that breathe in and out. Has anybody been worried about the air quality or breathing? Do you forget to breathe? Anyone forget to breathe? Yeah, this is a miracle. We're sitting right here. They say miracles don't exist. I disagree. They're all around us. It's just a matter if we choose to see them. So who makes that possible? He's not asking for anything that he didn't give us in the first place. That's the point. We don't give to God. We give back to God. Hopefully that makes that frames everything as we begin to look at what it means to be a steward. We give back to God. So going forward a little bit, we're going to talk about the parable of the talents. And I love the parable of the talents for a couple of reasons. One is it's talking about talent, time, talent, and treasure, right? But in that day, talent was money. 
So it's just uh, fortuitous that we hit, you know, kill two birds with one stone. We're going to talk about talent, but we're, we're really talking about money in, in the stage of this parable. So let me read uh, a couple of the verses here. And uh, Chad, if you'll jump in with me there. Beautiful. All right. So again, pick up the theme of the steward and what the people who are the stewards for the king do. It says, again, this is Jesus talking. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. There's that entrusting of wealth. He's giving to us to manage. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Remember that for later. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Again, these are God's words, and for these words we are grateful. Did you catch what happened there? See, they own nothing but they managed everything on behalf of the king, the one who had the most, the five bags, given according to his ability. That means that the king is looking at this person and goes, you are a very capable person. I can trust you with a lot. It also means he looks at others and says, maybe you're not as capable. It doesn't mean that he loves us any less or gives us any less. He just gives us what we can handle. But he expects us to handle it. That's the part that we forget. No matter what we have been given, we are expected to handle it on his behalf. It says so right here. I'm not making this up. Now, and if that's not enough to convince you, let me, let me tell you what happens after the, the master returns. I'm just going to talk through because I don't want to read from a book forever. I'd rather look at you when I speak. But here's what happens when the master returns. The person who had five bags went out and made five bags more. The words that the master uses with his servant sound like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have done great with this. I will entrust you with even more. Come and share in the master's happiness. Doesn't that sound like a report card we'd all like to hear? Yeah, me too, right? And then you get down to the next servant, and, and he says, uh, I had two bags. I made two bags more. I got four bags. And what is the master's language? It, identical. It's exactly the same. Well done. Good. Faithful. Servant, you've done well with this. I will give you even more. Come and share in the master's happiness. Another good report card. Then you get to this guy. Don't be this guy. The guy who had one bag, he feared his master so much that he took the bag out and he buried it so that he could give back whatever he had been given. He didn't want to lose anything. And man, is that ever a fear that we face. I don't want to lose anything. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to play in my safe zone. Everything's got to be safe. I hear a lot about, is it safe? Is this a safe place? Is this a safe area? I don't know if you've lived in this world very long. This is not a safe place. And we are not called to safe places. We are called to dangerous places to make them safe with bringing the good news. But I'm, I'm getting all fired up ahead of my time. Let me back up and catch myself into this story here. So this is the guy. <clears throat> Finally, we get to this other guy that you don't want to be, right? Manager C, oh, sorry, did I just do that? <laughs> Here, here's the uh, response then. All right, so the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, 
harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. As the master replied, not a good report card, by the way. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have, for those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. I don't want to be that guy. I bet you don't want to be that guy either. So what makes the difference? Let's analyze the, the, the whole parable here. I, I, for you engineers, I made a chart. It's an eye chart. <laughs> so let me help you read it here. All right, so you got servant one. He was given five. He returned ten. You get the, the, the good report card with words like, well done, good, faithful servant. I will give you much more share in the happiness. So you think, okay, ten, that's a good score. You want to shoot for ten. Then you get to the second guy. He only has four. His total is four. And, and, and so what we tend to do is we focus in on the, the amount that is given back. So four doesn't sound very good compared to ten. But for some reason, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in this. I will give you more. Come share in the master's happiness with only four. And then you get to one. Well, yeah, who, who would want one? Nobody wants one. That's a wicked and lazy servant. So is the issue the amount that we give back to God? It's not the total that we give back to God. Here's where we make the difference. We start to look at the percent we give back to God. The one who was given five because he had much ability gave back five. That's a 200% return. The one who had four because maybe didn't have as much ability still gave it 100% and gave 200% back to God. So that's why the language is the same because the percentages are the same. They're given according to their ability and they give back according to their ability. They give 100% back to God. And then you get knucklehead. <laughs> the number one guy that nobody wants to be he gave exactly what he had been given. He gave 100% back to God. But he didn't do anything with it. He gave God back what God gave him. That's a zero net return, right? If I give you 10 bucks and you give me 10 bucks back, I didn't earn anything. If I give you 10 bucks and you give me 20 back, I'm putting you on the finance team. And I'm not kidding. Right. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> So we have to focus in on the, the results in terms of percentage. My question to you this morning, WordServe, is whether you have great abilities or not, you have been given things. You've been given gifts and talents and abilities and experience, and God has put things on your heart. And we're all capable in different ways. I'm not here to compare to one another. And by the way, neither is this, the master. He's not looking at 10 versus 4. He's looking at percentage. So he knows what he's given you. He knows how capable you are. What he's looking for is how much of that in percent are you going to give back to him? And by the way, he knows our hearts. So we can't fudge the numbers. We can't cheat on the tests. We can't go to chat GPT and type in the thing and get an answer. We have to live our lives as though he can see right through us because he can. Now, that might strike fear into the hearts of some of us. On the other hand, I see an opportunity. 
hey, God knows what I'm capable of. God has given me things. What if I just go for broke? What, what if I stop worrying about being the guy in the boat in the safe place? What if I get outside the boat? What if I start to walk on that water like we just sang about? What if I keep my eyes focused on Christ knowing that I cannot fail? And that when my feet start sinking in the waters, when my feet can't touch, he's going to be there to reach out and pull me back up. What would your life look like if we lived that way with no fear, no boundaries, just Jesus? Well, I bet it would look like a 200% life. And I bet as we take that 200% out into the world, the world around us begins to look different as well. I want to talk briefly about the bad side of this before we get to the really good side of this because it mentions a couple of phrases that repeat throughout the New Testament. In fact, Jesus uses this phrase seven times in the New Testament. He talks about the, the gnashing of teeth and the wailing. Gnashing of teeth could be, think, uh, think of it like um, bitter self-pity, like anger. like Argh. So one of the earliest examples we see of this is Cain in the Old Testament. You remember the story of Cain? He makes an offering to God. God's not happy with the way that the offering went down. And he was wailing and gnashing. Actually, he was gnashing his teeth. And then what happened to, what did Cain do after that? Yeah, he killed his brother. Not a good place to be, right? He, he, he got isolated from God. But who did the isolating? Was it God or was it Cain? I'll let you figure that one out. And then when it comes to this darkness, this being cast out into the darkness, the darkness was often uh, equated to moral depravity or being set outside the, the kingdom of God. Now, in this parable, it says being thrown out into the darkness where there is this moral depravity. But I'll tell you, God doesn't have to throw most of us out. We walk out there willingly. I read a news article that got my attention this week. It was uh, Target has started closing down stores in areas due to mass looting. Have you all read this? And it's in neighborhoods that really can't afford not to have good business and good quality of life. What people are doing is they're using the technology of, you know, like the flash mob mentality. And they're all showing up at a store at one time and just starting to lose. You can't stop them all. And you, you can't, like, there's not enough of whatever, security, police, whatever. There's not enough to keep them from just looting the store. Apple, Target, Nordstrom's, some of the bigger names are starting to shut down chains of stores in areas. What do you think that's going to do to a neighborhood? They're already struggling economically. They're going to tank. And, and after now, they're struggling economically when there are stores there. When there are not stores there, what happens next? Well, I bet the crime rate goes up. In fact, the article pointed to this mass shoplifting has risen 56% in Portland alone. I can't imagine how much higher that's going to go when they don't have any place to loot. Because they take that and then they sell it back on eBay, on, on whatever that they can just to try to make some money. This always fascinates me because I'm like, man, if people are that ingenious and coordinate that well, what would it look like if they used that for good? Right? Does everybody else scratch their head on this? Why? Why? So what they're doing is they're, they're tanking a neighborhood. They're hurting themselves and they're hurting everybody around them. That's the way this thing called sin works. That's the darkness that we risk being thrown into, or worse yet, the darkness that we risk just wandering off into when we don't take Jesus' commands seriously, when we don't develop what he's been given or what we've been given. When we just say, oh, you know, my life's pretty good. I've got enough Jesus for me. I'm good. 
I don't need to engage my community. I don't need to engage my neighbors. I don't need to spread this good news. I'm good. For how long? How long is it until our stores get looted? I'm not talking the physical stores. I'm talking the spiritual ones. If you've watched the news, you can probably tell we're not in the most morally upright society that we've ever lived in. And the trend is not good. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I need to switch my news feed. But I don't believe we're trending in a good area, which is great news. <laughs> Bill is a sick individual. How is this great news? Because there's great job security to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The world will always need to hear good news. And guess who has it? We do. God calls us to share that. So what do we do with it? Well, before we, uh, we stray too far, remember that whatever uh, has been given, there will be given more. So this is where I was talking about when we talk about getting outside the boat, when we talk about stepping out, being brave, getting out of our safe place, know that if you have done that, if you've given that to God, then there's more that he's going to give you. He's going to take away from knucklehead number one and give you more. Right? He will equip us. I'm convinced of that. And in what the world may see as failure, he can use for good. Uh, the word tells us that. We look up Romans 8.28 sometimes. Whatever we do, he can take it and work together for good. We just have to be willing to do something, get up out of the boat. So what do we do? Well, 1 Peter 4.10 gives us a pretty good piece of advice. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. That's the sermon right there in one poster. We're talking about stewards. We're talking about what we've been given. We're talking about the use of what we've been given is not for us. My gifts are not for me. Your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are for others. And when we start to realize that our service has an outlet to the world, and the world becomes different because of you, because of Christ in you. So we use that in whatever form it has been given to administer God's grace to the world around us. I think the world needs God's grace, don't you? So I'm going to put up the three questions that I gave you about, I guess it's been a little over a month ago. I ask you to think about these three questions when it comes to analyzing your gifts. This is probably a better start point than any spiritual gifts inventory that I've seen because it gets you thinking in your context, in your frame. And here's what they are. What is it that you can't not do? Like, I just keep doing this thing. I bet that's a gift that God's given you. What is it that others say that you do well unsolicited? So, hey, you're really good at, and you hear it from two or three different people, and you know they don't talk to each other. They're identifying a gift in you. God has put something in you. Develop that. And then finally, what are you doing when you can lose track of time? What is that one thing like five hours have gone by, and you just had no clue that time has passed? That's when you're in your zone. That's what you're made to do. And, and, and by the way, if your answer is uh, surf the net, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what some productive thing that you could do and hours go by and you just don't even realize that time has passed. That's what I'm talking about. And then what do we do with this information? Now, oh, by the way, I asked those questions about six weeks ago. I don't know if you remember my words six weeks ago, but it was, I'm going to ask you these questions. I want you to be in prayer about them and be thinking about them because I'm going to ask you to use these time and talents in the future. Well, guess what? Today is the future. I'm asking you to use these time and talents for the kingdom of God, not for me, not for word serve, not even for you, but for the one who has given so much already. So what do we do with these? Well, we develop them, and then we use them. 
here are just three opportunities or three suggestions that I would have for you. One is find a mentor. Find someone who has a similar gifting to you that is maybe further along in this journey and say, how do you do that? Where did you develop these skills and gifts? Can you help me? I don't know of anybody who is a Jesus follower who has a gift and somebody comes along to them and says, would you help me develop that same gift? It says, no, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> no, there is energy in that, folks. There is purpose and meaning in that. That's what I'm talking about. It's not another thing to do that sucks energy out of you. It's something that you are built to do. And when you do what you're built to do, that's life-giving. It gives you energy. It gives you that sense of purpose that so many people are looking for. It's a lack of sense of purpose. It's a lack of meaning that causes us to surf the internet for five hours and not know time has gone by. It's not what Jesus calls us to. This is an opportunity. So find that mentor. Find some experience is. So just try something. Yeah, I don't know what my gifts are. Let me try this. Great. Well, you know, here's the beautiful thing about the church. If you try something and it doesn't work out, you know what we do? We're going to dock your pay. Said no one ever. No, <laughs> this is an institution that specializes in grace and forgiveness. So if it doesn't go quite perfect, guess what? That's okay. You learn that that's not for new. And then here's what, here's my biggest pet peeve. Somebody tries something once, it doesn't work out, and they go, well, that's not for me. No, that's not for you, but what about this? Or this? Or this? How many ways do you think you can serve the kingdom of God? You're limited only by your imagination because God made us and God has a great imagination. I'm convinced that God made you for just such a time as this. And let me pause here and, and just throw a little vision bomb out here, Fulcher. I don't know if you are aware, and I say Fulcher because I'm talking to both churches right now. I don't know if they're listening, but I'm talking to both churches. We are in the fastest growing county in the United States. I'm not making this up. Look around. I didn't drive up 359 for about four months, and when I did, I got lost because there was a whole subdivision that didn't used to be there. Like, I'm in the wrong spot. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> That's a whole subdivision. Where are these people coming from? They're coming here. Some of them are looking for a church. Some of them are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it. Some of them had no idea who Jesus is. But we are at the crux of the fastest-growing county in the United States. Don't you think this would be a great opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Don't you think this would be an opportunity for us to shape what our community looks like? You know, imagine that this could be the place where a great awakening occurs. Now, we can't manufacture that. God's going to have to move as God moves. But the opportunity is here and now. And if we give back to God 200% what he's given us, imagine what he can do with that. Have you seen what he's done with five loaves and two fish? No matter how little you think you have to give, Give, give it all back to God. Develop it. Use it. Find ways to make it work. Watch what God can do with that. It's going to be amazing. I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. I don't want WordServe to miss out. I don't want all the churches in Fulcher to miss out. A hundred years hence, we could look back and say, wow, that great awakening, that great revival. You hear about them on the news? What if it happened here? I'll tell you one way that it can't happen here. So if we just stay in our safe place and focus on just us, get just enough Jesus to last me through the week, and then when I'm just about empty of Jesus, I come back on Sunday so I can fill my tank back up just enough for me. I'm not intent on filling it up enough so I can give it to anybody else. Because Jesus is just for me. Or we can let her rip. You can also find some training and education, either online or in person. If you've got skills, man, develop them. If you don't know where to go, 
let me know. I got all kinds of ideas. I'll, I'll find you ways to get some training and education that can further your, your goals in, in life and your spiritual development. That's kind of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to train and equip the warriors to go out and fight the war. The good fight, not, not the bad guy. So here's what I want you to take away, Word Serve Church. I want this to be our new model, motto. Word Serve Church, where we don't give to God, we give back to God. And that, my friends, makes all the difference. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who not only gave, but gave it all. Remind us, God, that his call is not just for us, it's for the world. He came to save the entire world. You've entrusted us with that good news. You have equipped us with gifts, talents, abilities. You give us experiences which sometimes we think are bad, but you can use for good. God, my prayer is this morning that we would recognize where you're at work in our lives, develop those gifts, and give as generously as we have been given, and maybe more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.